Welcome to How the Song Came to Be, where soulful songwriters share the stories behind their songs, as well as tools and creative practices you can use to bring your best songs or other creative works to life. I'm Ann Heaton, your host. Uh, I got a little lazy. I was like, that's good enough. Um, and I didn't, I didn't try, I didn't challenge myself all that much um, for a long time. And so now, you know, to be able to do it and do it privately and not worry about outcome and take a walk and just sing and see what happens. Welcome songwriters. I'm going to make this a, a gallery view. Okay. Welcome songwriters. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Ann Heaton. I'm a singer songwriter, founder of Soul Song School and your host today for our show where we have a very special treat, a dear friend of mine, singer, songwriter, musician, painter, and educator, Natalia Zuckerman. Um, Natalia grew up in New York City and studied art at Oberlin. She started her mural business in San Francisco, began her songwriting career in Boston, and she now resides, writes, plays, teaches, and paints in Brooklyn, New York. She's released seven independent albums and toured internationally as a solo artist. She's also accompanied and opened for some of acoustic music greats such as Janice Ian, Willie Porter, Susan Werner, Aaron McKeown, Sean Colvin, Ani DeFranco, Richard Thompson, and Tom Paxton. Alongside her touring career, uh, Natalia continues to paint private and public murals as well as illustrate children's books, design and paint sets for plays in New York City, and paint private portrait commissions. Natalia also teaches songwriting uh, has taught songwriting at Sister Song School at Interlochen and the Red Rocks Women's Festival. Um, and just this year, Natalia became a cultural diplomat for the U.S. Department of State, playing concerts and conducting workshops with her group, the Northern Lights, throughout Africa. So that's exciting. Welcome, Natalia. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, I'm so happy. So... I'm probably going to want to ask you about Africa because that's so exciting. Um, but before we get to that, I'd love to start out with a question that I'm going to ask all the songwriters, which is, um, can you tell your story of how you got into songwriting? Like what got you on the path? Was it a call? Like how did that unfold for you? <clears throat> I grew up you know, in a musical family, my parents are musicians, and my sister and I were always singing. Um, and I think I do have actually an illustration of it because I was I had a babysitter at the time who was a painter. Um, but I wrote my first song when I was a little kid. I think I was about eight years old, so I played guitar. Um, and I it was a dream I had had, and I just wrote this song, but wrote it with like lyrics on a guitar. I think that was really the first first one but I didn't um it wasn't a thing I did really until college I just always played music and learned other people's songs like I studied classical guitar but I would always bring my teacher um Simon and Garfunkel tunes or Joni Mitchell and like can you teach me this <laughs> and my classical guitar teacher was always a little annoyed um and then I got to college and my classical guitar teacher at Oberlin um so I was in the conservatory my my freshman year uh, first semester and he just was very intuitive and he said I think you should take creative writing I think mm. you're a songwriter more than a classical guitar player not meaning like what it didn't feel like any kind of put down it actually felt like an invitation so 
um, I started just writing, and then Ani DeFranco came to Oberlin and blew my brains out, and I didn't know that was a thing. I'd always I'd seen um, I'd seen Tracy Chapman in high school, and I knew that was amazing, but uh, something something shifted with seeing Ani for sure, <laughs> and wanting to um, be able to write truth that way. It seems like for so many people, there's like a, there's like a concert or a moment. There's like one artist that kind of like, yeah, like for me, it was like a, a touring concert yeah. in, in New York. And I was like, you know, I, I finally was like, whoa, you know, and Carrie Cooper was saying yesterday, something along those lines, like she went to a house concert and something clicked. Yeah. Well, I will say in saying that, I actually realized it was earlier with Suzanne Vega that I went to a Woody Guthrie tribute concert in Central Park when I was 14. And um, she it was right when Luca, Tom Steiner, was out. And she came out on stage. And I don't think I'd ever seen one woman with one guitar command mm. a stage, period. I'd never seen that in performance. Um, and I, yeah, definitely that was a pivotal day too. Um, but yeah, it was college. I started to just, um, I think because I'd been so schooled classically, I had never taken my instrument and just seen what it had to offer. But in listening to Joni Mitchell a lot, um, and experimenting with open tunings on the guitar, I could no longer rely on my, what I understood about music. I could, I could only listen. And that really allowed me to, um, dive into some songwriting storytelling because I think I, I didn't, I didn't even know how to go in there at all. It was such a music to me was something you recreated perfectly from something written down. Right, right. Well, so how was that? Well, so first of all, what was it about the songwriting that you liked? Like, was it that it was your own and you could make it up, or like what what drew you to that? And then also, like, how was the transition from? how was the transition from like recreating this thing that someone else made? did it feel like a totally different thing? It's great questions. I think, yes, I think that's exactly what it was, was that it felt like I had my own thing finally that, you know, my, I think my family even still to this day, they say you make something out of the air, you pull that out that they can in classical music. I think this is true for a lot of players that they really can't improvise. Uh, you know, unless some can for sure, but it's, I think it's a skill. Um, so it was really like also playing drums. I was such a hippie and I was played drum jams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like listen to a lot of the Grateful Dead and the Grateful Dead actually, that's how I understood that music was a conversation when played that way that, uh. you know, these things that Jerry would do that Bobby would answer with his guitar. Um, yeah. And that's what, I guess when I approached songwriting myself, it felt like a conversation with myself, maybe, and music. Oh, cool. And my early songs were, I mean, very much a journal entry, uh, I think, for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love, like, that. I just want to point. So it's interesting because you have this experience as a hippie and you're listening to The Grateful Dead, so you have this sort of, like... Um, like seeing this more free form of music and then you have this really classical upbringing. So I don't know. I, I was thinking of myself. I was thinking how like I grew up a classical piano player. So 
I, I never improvised, you know, like I, I just read the page and I was, you know, I was trained, right? But as a singer, I never took any singing lessons. So I had this like freedom I would like sing in a rock band. I'd know, I mean, I, I don't even know if I was singing on key, but like I had the freedom of that and then I had the regimen of this and there was sort of like a, a, a bridging that happened. Like I could grab the freedom from the singing and, and try to learn how to play and improvise. Um, and then I could bring the, the training from the piano maybe to the, the vocalizing. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say too, I wonder for you if I realize, I think, when I first started writing songs, it was such a kind of spiritual experience. I was really just allowing something to come through, whatever it was. I knew I had, I had enough skill at that point musically to just kind of listen. Yeah. But then I took, I think the, the, the discipline of study and I, I would practice my own songs to, yeah. the, to the place of perfection again and try yeah. to create that. And, I think that's been an ongoing struggle for me as a performer that, you know, you want to leave enough room open for um, experimentation live, but it's so ingrained in me to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> scary. It's still scary. And I just want to highlight that's so interesting too about the, um, about practicing your own songs. Cause you already had that. Like I, I've, I've heard people say, you know, like they'll write a song and they're like, oh, I can't play it yet or whatever. But like just that idea that like, of course, if you're a classical musician, you're used to practicing. So if you write a song, you're not necessarily expecting to be able to play it right away. And that would just be something. So what would I, now I'm because I'm always thinking of songwriters and what they, you know, what they might glean. And I'm thinking that you, what would you say to people who maybe are, are already musicians, you know, they're already good at some instrument or, um, but who want to make the leap into songwriting, what kind of advice might you have for like, how did you navigate that? And what, what's one or two things you might want to well, share with them of how they could do that? Yeah. For guitar players, I think an open tuning, like I said, it's sort of, I've always likened it to, if you're a painter to like putting a wash of color over a canvas, it's already a something. And then you can kind of pull images out of it. Um, and that, that's sort of what an open tuning is like for me too, that now I understand open tunings a little bit better, um, but I still don't really rely on like, you know, if I'm, if I'm just playing in standard tuning and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm playing in D, um, then I know I'm gonna play a G and an A basically in that chord structure or that key. But when you're just doing this, you're kind of, uh, an open tuning. So I did this because it's so percussive. It becomes, I feel like the instrument opens up. So, and for other instrumentalists, I would say just approaching it in a way you haven't. Um, and certainly now I, I think I relied for a long time on my, on the guitar as the thing to be the focal, mm. focal point for the writing. And in the last few years, I've really tried to approach writing first. Mm -hmm and then going to the guitar and even trying things like just vocalizing and see, then going to the guitar and seeing if I can find what I vocalize. So if you're a piano player or whatever instrument you may play, maybe try writing, then try speaking the lyric. And um, this is an exercise I do with, with students sometimes that you just 
speak a lyric and there's a there's a natural rhythm and a natural melody to language awesome so th that those are three really great things people can try and i remember that's something they say that frank sinatra used to do is he used to speak the lyrics yeah. before he would let himself hear how the melody went but so just to say what they are so if you're a guitar player try open tuning writing in open tuning and then the other things were, if you're already really good at an instrument, and I know I experienced this too, like when I first started writing songs, they all sounded really classical. So I was just trying to like fit the song in, in between like these pianistic gymnastics, right? But so you're saying like, you know, if you're, if you're one of those people that knows how to play and you want to go into songwriting, maybe try um, writing the words first or just vocalizing away from your instrument, right? just as humans you know with like brain elasticity plasticity it's good for us to just get out of our comfort zone so whatever it is you normally do do something different totally to see if you can evolve <laughs> well, you just you just told me to do that a few weeks ago and i was working on you and i were meeting and i was working on that song and you were like it was it's not like a rap song but it's more of a talky song and you you said to me um you were like just get away from the piano like make a drum beat and that's totally what it's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh, that's another one too. Like uh, Garage Band, just do a loop on there. Like you yeah. basically choose a rhythm and then you can select it and loop it. There's a looping choice. And right. then you practice so that you're not, sometimes when I'm, it's first of all, you're going to be physically exhausted. Your hands are going to hurt. I, mean, I used to play till my, my fingers were bleeding and I hadn't even written a verse yet. You know, right. what am I doing? So. Right, and it's also like a way to not fall into what you usually do. Mm -hmm. So it's just like you're you're creating something, something new. You know, I know my hands always go to a certain place, so that way it's like, yeah. And I think then also it's okay to go to the place of comfort later. Like I I I think something Willie Porter, the songwriter, always told me was, you know, just kind of write dummy. Um, use dummy chords in the beginning when you've written something and you're trying to set it to music, you know, he would say you would just sort of play cowboy chords, which is like first position, C, G, D, whatever. Yeah. And then add your sparkles and pyrotechnics. Right, just to get the idea out so you don't get... The problem is I get stuck in the dummy, dummy place and then I don't really progress sometimes anymore. I just sort of feel like if that's lazy or it's just like I don't I don't have to do my triple axle you know every time yeah I mean it, to, I, it totally depends sometimes it just sounds great simple but then that mm -hmm. that's also why we have friends because our friends can say that's what you might say or I might say maybe you could change that one chord maybe you could try not playing the same three chords yes Exactly. Cool. Well, those are like, that's four pieces of gold right there. So thank you so much for that. Um, for organizing the thought train. Well, I also, I also want to ask you, I was thinking, when I was thinking, I was driving in the car this morning, dropping my daughter camp, and I was like thinking about talking to you. And for some reason, this popped into my head because I know you're, you're not just a songwriter and a musician, but you also are a prolific painter. And um, my, a good friend of mine, uh, her name is Peggy McNamara and she's a painter uh, and she draws and she's in Chicago. She's basically 
permanently the artist in residence at the Field Museum. And one of the things that I once heard her say, it was either to her granddaughter or her niece, <clears throat> Um, who was also painting or drawing saying like the only difference between <clears throat> excuse me between me and you is that like I've painted or drawn a hundred or a thousand more hours than you you know like right. there's nothing special about me like I just do this all the time and I really liked that and I you know as someone who creates all the time which I know that you do um, and then I also know that sometimes you're like oh, I haven't written a song in a while or I feel like I don't feel creative or something like that. I wanted to know, you know, what, it, what are the ways that you, you know, keep yourself making things or how do you deal with dry spells? Do you have like a daily practice that you're going to make something every day or what are your ways that you keep doing the work? Um, first of all, I think we have to just give ourselves a little bit more uh, or just approach compassionately the artistic process. I think we all get into this place of like, oh, I haven't written a song and it's been six weeks or I only wrote three songs this year. Um, but did you cook dinner 12 times for your friends? And I, I sometimes think like creativity is, is like water coming out of a spout and you put your finger on it and you can direct it in different, different ways, but it's all the same source. Total. So I try to like be nice to myself, one. Um, mm. I do feel like, I also feel this urgency. I feel like, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm too old already. I haven't done it yet. And whatever that is. Um, but with, I feel like because maybe because I've been doing it longer or more uh, music than visual art. And I've always drawn, but I've really been focusing on that in terms of like career uh, the last few years. The songwriting, I have to give myself some assignments. And I just have to, honestly, just my grandfather used to say, you have to apply your ass to the chair. You just have to show up and like try. And sometimes it's really not fun at all. Um, and then also to try to turn off some of the judgment. Like I took this time last weekend up at this boathouse on a river and I was alone. And I was like, if I can't write a song in here, then something's terribly wrong with me. <laughs> I was like, that's a great place. That's a nice, compassionate place to start. <laughs> Any artistic endeavor. And honestly, I wrote something terrible, but it actually, then I wrote something this week that I like more. And I think it was just sort of like oiling the wheel. Yeah. Um, and the thing you wrote that you just called terrible, was it fun though? No. No, okay. Um, Moments of it, there's always a moment where you're like, you know, there's, it's like these little puzzle pieces, you know, it's sort of like um, Candy Crush, like you're seeing everything sort of fall into place. Mm -hmm. and that's magic. And if it happens and you feel like the final thing is something you want to share, but no, it, the whole thing actually felt torturous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I did it anyway. And drawing yeah. doesn't feel like that to me what doesn't feel like that to you drawing and painting uh -huh. don't really it's not entirely true there are moments that there's some things that are just really technical that I'm like Ugh, just hurts my hand or I don't want to do it um but I think I also with drawing I give myself more permission to copy like if I haven't it's such a physical sport 
Mm. I think you have to keep the muscles going. And the same is true with writing. So, you know, these assignments that I sometimes give a new student, which would be like, take a song that you love and rewrite the lyrics to it. Mm -hmm. I've just been doing that for myself. And then you have to make sure, you know, you nuance it and switch it enough so that you're not stealing. But how is it that, like, I can draw this still life that I set up for myself and then put it in, in a gallery? And that's not copying, but, you know, you're stealing somebody else's melody. I don't know what, but I think that can be a great jumping off place. And just giving myself those sort of exercises as a songwriter, too, has been important. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. I can, I totally... I feel that too. I mean, sometimes I feel like getting out into nature. If I just like start, I'll sometimes I'll just start singing and I'll be like, wait, that's a song, you know, but I wasn't like, Anne, you must write a song. You know, it was just sort of like <laughs> something that came up. Like I was a little kid just humming. So that works. But if I'm actually like, you know, supposed to write a song or finish something, it totally helps like having some, parameters like we've both taught at lamb songwriting retreat and it's just amazing because you get a super specific assignment and you have two days to do it so so yeah i, I wonder what that is though about how, do you think it's because you've been writing songs longer that having you more need an assignment for that than with painting yeah i mean to get into like maybe this is too personal or something but i do feel like music is tied up in a lot of emotional stuff for me just in terms of my family but also it has been my tour my touring life has um mm -hmm. defined me and I'm not doing that as much mm -hmm. so it has been suggested to me that I love being you know that a martyr comes naturally <laughs> so yeah. to not you know to try to bring some joy back into it um mm -hmm. there's a lot of shoulds for me in music I guess there always has been like in terms of practicing or the regimentation of classical music. Um, and then in terms of like output as a, as a singer songwriter, it's like, well, if you haven't put out a record every year or two years, then what are you doing? You're not very prolific. Right. Prolific. So, so that, that's an interesting conversation to have is like how to, like how to, which I feel like a lot, we know so many people who I think could contribute to this of, how to heal from how to pull you know if you've had you know some experiences in the music business that have sort of scarred you or felt wounding how to pull the music back from from that piece of it um i think you're partially saying that right so that the joy that you initially felt in like writing a song and playing a song is is there and not um kind of colored by the other some of the other things we've experienced in the business, but yeah. You know, just getting comfortable with like failing, not doing it perfectly. Oh yeah. You know, allowing yourself to try stuff because, because I also, I think I, I was very um, just hard on myself in terms of how much I needed to produce that uh, I got a little lazy. It was like, that's good enough. Um, and I didn't, I didn't try, I didn't, challenge myself all that much um, for a long time and so now you know to be able to do it and do it privately and not worry about outcome and take a walk and just sing and see what happens and put it in your voice memo and maybe it'll become a thing later maybe it won't um yeah. allowing things to also just have their importance 
in that moment and not necessarily try to capture it and think about like, how would I produce this song? And then yeah, my Kickstarter. Yeah. So just take that, take any way you can take the pressure off basically. So if you're feeling any pressure as a songwriter, any way you can take it off. And it feels like also maybe you've been able to do that with the painting and the drawing is like, you can take a break from songwriting when you want to. And Hey, you have this other creative outlet that doesn't have any of that other, I, I, at least I think it doesn't have that pressure. Yeah. I mean, it does when I, you know, anytime you try to monetize anything, I think it gets, it gets a little sticky. Yeah. And anytime you start thinking about, I mean, this summer was sort of the first time I have painted. Uh, paint. I did paintings just to see what would come out. Right. I started to think about, well, how am I going to sell these? Or who's going to like this? And I yeah. just felt, Totally. Uh -huh. So, so I switched her off. Yeah. Going and just, you know, trusting that you're, if you are called to it and you are excited and ignited by whatever it is you're doing, even if it's playing the same chord and singing the word wow over and over again, yeah. <laughs> it's probably a something. If that's like really calling to you, do the thing and you'll figure out the rest. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. So any, any way that we can like create a space where we're not going to let that other voice in until, until we're done or we come to some sort of like completion with it. I can, I can like think offhand of ways that I stopped myself early on songwriting. You're sparking some memories. Like I was singing in this really weird voice and making these like strange, almost like sound effects. And I was having so much fun. And then I was like, you can't do that. Like, what is that? You know? And so I don't even remember what it was now, but just that whole idea of like, you have this safe space. Um, I love that. I think that's, that's super helpful. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me too. I, I hope I can. Yeah. Well, and it's like an ongoing thing. It's not like we figure it out. And like, from now on, we only, are nice to ourselves in the it, like it's yeah. you have to navigate it is important because if i was also just playing one chord and singing wow for three years you might yeah. be like, um yeah i want to try something else that's that was cool that one time yeah well, or, I, well that's for you but wait what that might be an exercise for yourself for some fun but if you're trying to communicate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know one of the things i do is i try to like I try to remember what it felt like to finish a song I was really excited about. And that feeling of like, feeling like, Oh my gosh, this feels so true. I can't wait to like play it for Natalia. Right. And then pull that feeling back into this moment of like this other song, I don't know what to do with. And just like bring a little bit of that excitement, you know, even if it's just for like 20 minutes and be like, I'm going to pull that excitement into working on this song because maybe this song will feel like that at some point, you know? So cool. And I do like have to tie it. You talk about like, um, you know, playing something for someone or having community is like, you know, if I know I'm going to meet you on Skype and play you some, I just am so much more motivated that if I'm like messing around and I'm like someday. Yeah. Well, this I mean, song there's a sort of myth of the like tortured artists that we sit in rooms in the dark bringing out the muse. And we do, we spend an inordinate amount of time alone. <laughs> yeah. So wherever you can find, 
I, I actually, it's such a great, you just triggered for me. Like I remember in college, I would write a new song and I would like run downstairs to, to play it for my roommates. Yeah. <laughs> I never do that now. Like, what am I going to knock on my neighbor's door? But can I just play you something real quick? Uh, they probably love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what a cool thing in this community too, to have, you know, space to try that. And something also, I mean, music is about communication. So I think, and many other things, but there's nothing like playing a song you've been working on by yourself. Um, you know, you've played it a hundred times to yourself and the dog, and then you play it for another human being and the language takes on a different meaning. Yeah. Realize, Ooh, that, that doesn't work or that does. That's really cool. Um, Okay, I'm gonna I wanna keep us rolling because I wanna hear one of your songs in a little bit. So um I I wanna ask you about Africa because I know you told me a little bit about it a few months ago, but I wondered if like the music and the songwriting took on any sort of a different tone or feeling for you in this like environment of basically being of service and doing service work. Yeah. Um yeah, completely different ball of wax. It was sort of like music was the platform to empower young girls to stay in school and um, to believe in themselves and just to have, I was with uh, Mona Tavakoli and Chaska Potter, two just powerhouse women. So the three of us, sometimes I think maybe even just seeing three women walk in uh, in Africa and in these countries, went to four different countries, but in places where they're really not... Um, they only stay in school to a certain, usually until menstruation, and then they stop going. Um, mm-hmm. Girls are not valued in that culture. Um, so for some of the, in a lot of places. So for, for them to see us come in and just even represent something that they can maybe translate into their daily lives and give them also room to make noise and take up space. Oh, uh, yeah. Creative because, because they are. Um, yeah validate that from an outside source um it was really just it was so powerful and um so many of them already so many of these groups you know they already have these incredible songs that they i don't even know if they knew they were songs or like chants they would um say for each other and this one girl's group it was like we are proud of you say we are proud of you hey hey and they taught that to us it was this great oh my God, there's a song in here. Yeah. Then we just start playing along and we are proud of you. Say we are proud of you. Hey, hey, we And then getting them to sing it and they already dance and move so much. So uh, there was so much joy. And, you know, how many travels to just like places with the least or have the most joy. Mm. So to be able to just sit in that was medicine. Um, and a lot of the job was also meeting with men and teaching, teaching and listening and trying to be a connective tissue between groups that were already there trying to empower women. Um, a lot of it was about AIDS education as well, which really will come from girls staying in school. Um, yeah. So sweet, Natalia. It's so great. Yeah. It's a, yeah. So this is called um, American Music Abroad and anybody can apply. Um, you have to have an ensemble of three or more people, but they have auditions once a year in New York and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then
then you're sent basically the State Department, and hopefully the program will continue. It's been since 1957 was the first year with Louis Armstrong was sent to Egypt. Really cool. There's a picture of him on a camel playing. Continuing the lineage. It's no problem, me and Louis. No problem. Um, yeah, so hopefully that'll continue. It's funded through 2019, I believe. And then we'll see what happens in our planet. But um, yeah, I, I recommend I recommend it to anyone. But then, so what, if you, if they select you, then there's the countries that the State Department works with and they send it um, descriptions and MP3s and stuff to them. And then, so Africa chose uh, up my group. Oh, gotcha. Oh, that's so, so they chose you. Yeah. Well, I love that. I think because we were, we're the only all-female group. Okay. That were chosen. So fabulous that you, you, you three women, like, used your music to empower women, and then they sort of empowered back. Like, they already had that chant. Like, and that's a song. Oh, crazy. Yeah, that was such a, you know, not every, every workshop was like that, but every workshop had some... Some um, give and take, like they're so appreciative. So often we would show up and they had created something for us. So if it was a musical group, they would have written us a song. Oh my God. And we would play a song and teach them part of that. And just basically like a lot of listening, going in and saying, you know, and I think this this is great advice just in, in any situation to go in and ask what somebody needs rather than like have your agenda because you'll be disappointed. Right. You know, right. We prepare, you know, and uh, Mona and Chaska more than myself, they were, they were nervous about the workshop parts. I was like, we got this. Yeah. I'm not worried about, I was more nervous about the performance and they have much more experience in different literal arenas that are, uh -huh. they were not nervous about that. Right. Um, as they wanted to prepare and their teachers, they, they run rock and roll camp for girls in LA. And it's very much like they know, I'm sure there's so much room for, for change, but they have a lot of um, workshops already planned out. Right. And I have done that too, you know, at Lamb's Retreat that you mentioned, like I plan what I'm going to do with this. It's like, you, you have no idea that you might have a translator. There's no sound. It's 3000 degrees. <laughs> Um, often we were told we were there to empower girls and we would show up and it would be a group of men. Like, yeah. yeah. So this is super important. Like I know we're here like talking about songwriting and ways of, you know, writing, but what you're talking about right now is like when you go to the gig and things are not as you want them, you know, like you don't, maybe there's no sound person or maybe there's the wrong equipment and you don't have to be, you know, in Africa doing this trip you did for that to happen. That happens all the time and being able to, to roll with it and not need to have so much control that you sort of freak out when things aren't <laughs> as you'd wished. Or, you know, life. <laughs> or life. You know. Or life. Or the song is not turning out the way you wanted it and you wanted it to be one thing and it's, it's turning into something else. Yeah, you try to just... I think especially in a situation like that, what I learned is also we were representatives of our country, which is for all it's good and bad. I, I really took that seriously. And so, you know, when we were picked up by a driver, 
being just as kind and, and generous to the driver as the principal of the school we were going into. Yeah. Because, because why not? So I think about that in terms of, of performance as well, that, you know, be just as kind to the sound person and mm -hmm. bartender as the promoter of the gig. One, because you never know, but also just, I don't know, it's just, it's a much more satisfying way of life. And it gets frustrating because, you know, you have, you do it, we have expectations. And then you and I have certainly had this experience together where, oh my God, the sound person is on drugs for a sleep. <laughs> you can make the choice in that moment to like be an asshole or try to figure it out together. Totally. You all, yeah. You always have that choice. I love that. Yeah. And sometimes you just need that one pause of a moment before you respond and that can make all the difference. So I mean, my, that was basically the entire Africa trip was waking up, being told one thing, expecting something, walking in, having it be completely not that. Yeah. And having to just rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's such great training for like being in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like fine to be prepared, but yeah. 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 Okay. And take, you know, take attendance of what's really happening in that moment. Like you're really upset because my salad didn't arrive before I played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, like two things come to mind and then I want to switch gears because I want to get to your song. But um, yeah, it's like when, when I'm doing a gig, which is a little different, but it's like I'll, oftentimes I'll plan what stories I'm going to tell and things I want to share with the audience besides the actual songs themselves. But then when I'm there in the room and I'm, I feel who's there and I kind of feel the energy, I'm open to anything coming up, you know, or someone might yell something out and I'm not going to you know, if it's not according to the plan. And the same thing with also teaching songwriting is, you know, teaching at Grammy camp, teaching at Interlochen, you know, you don't know who's going to be there, you know, so you can't just go, you know, when I first started teaching, I'd like go with my lesson plan, like no matter who was there. And now I never do that. Now I'm like, meet everyone and, you know, where are you at in your process? What do you want to learn? And then we go from there. And I feel like your Africa trip is probably... <laughs> great training for that and great training for your life yeah no that's a great reminder and i want to go on tour with you now because it's just gonna be <laughs> i know it's just sort of like okay. ready for anything yeah um yeah that's so interesting in terms of where you're at with your i mean you've had so much songwriting experience at this point too like you know you can pull out an exercise or something if you have to but being aware and also as a performer you're you're so amazing at taking the temperature of the room, but that's a great, I think for just to reiterate what you said for some new songwriters and new performers, like you have your banter planned, but then you show up and the audience is maybe not, I mean, you take a gander and it's, that's that, that joke maybe won't go over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And, and then also like not the opposite either. Cause I went through a period of three years where I was like, I'm not going to plan any of my banter. It's all going to be improvised. <laughs> the show is just like wildly varied on whether it was a good joke. Cause it was like, sometimes I couldn't think of one thing to say. I would just be silent, you know? And so, um, anyway. And then often after, because I feel like I did tour with a lot of people who, uh, we're able to are able to improvise like that and that mm -hmm. is 
incredible skill. Um, and I always sort of, if I didn't sort of practice or think of some things, stock intros for a few songs that you know are going to be like an interesting story every time. You can, you don't have to tell it, but you have it in your pocket so that you can, you can just reset your comfort level because mm -hmm. otherwise I, I was finding too, for those couple of years, like walking off stage and being like, I cannot believe, not ever like I played that song badly, but like, I can't believe I said that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not about music and it really that starts to eat away at your creative process too because yeah that's really wasted energy right well so you know it's just like and i'll pull it back to songwriting but just like so for this performance part we're talking about like having a little bit of structure so that we can be free and improv you know um something to sit back in and then with the songwriting that's a little bit similar in what you were saying it's just like put your butt in the chair how, uh, you know, give yourself songwriting exercises and then take, take the pressure off. So you have, have a little bit of structure, but then like if you're walking down the street and you think of a melody, that's great too, but you'll, you know, you'll, you're going to sit down for a half an hour. Um, so it's like, it's just like a both, a great both and, <laughs> which we know we've been, we've been living the both and for a long time now, and we would like to hear the both and. Um, okay, so I would love it. Um, I know we could talk for like six hours, um, but I would love it if you um, could share a song with us and that you have a story about how the song came to be, whether it was you know, purely magical or you had to sit your butt in the chair, it was assignment, anything like that to kind of get, uh, people's juices flowing in terms of ways songs come to be. Yeah, I thought of this one immediately because of the way you phrased it, of, you know, a song that has a specific story of how it came to be. And um, this one is called uh, Jane Avril, and it came to be because my friend Willie Porter and I gave each other an assignment one week to write a song with feather boa in the song. So that was the prompt. You had to fit in feather boa. And I thought of, um, you, you mean like you, you were each going to write one and then share it with each other. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, um, I thought of the Toulouse-Lautrec, the French illustrator painter, his paintings of the Moulin Rouge had these women in the feather boas. So I started looking at the images and he painted this woman, Jane Avril, the most, most often. Um, and she was this tiny little lady who was a call girl and the, you know, Moulin Rouge was sort of early. I mean, I, I don't know that they took their clothes off all that much, but a little bit, um, but it was sort of exotic dancing of the time and the fringe society. And she had a precursor to what we know as restless leg syndrome. So she couldn't, she was moving her legs all the time and she invented the can-can which is that dance that does that mm -hmm. so i what i started with was writing down the things about her that i really liked that resonated with me and some of the language and colors and um ideas about the moulin rouge in particular and then i went for a run so it's like i like all of all of my skill things happened during this song I started out, oh, I listened to a Pandora French cafe station mm -hmm. to try to make it sound French. It ends up being like a bossa nova. It's not French at all. Um, 
and that really wasn't working. I went for a run, and the the words "Yes, you can, can" came to me, and I was like, "That's ridiculous. I can't. I can't, can't. That's not gonna work." And then I just tried it, and I really wasn't sure until I played it probably for other people, and they were like, "That's that's great. It just it just worked rhythmically." Um, so. I think that's all I wanted to say about the song. Oh, and then <laughs> just everything sort of organically. I, I have a little part where I speak in French, and I happen to be playing at a uh, festival where there were some Quebecois players, so I followed them around and asked them if it made sense in French. <laughs> and one other super nerdy thing for guitar players out there, I tried to make my fingers look like they were doing the can-can. Oh, my gosh. Like the nerdiest thing of all time. But it's sort of like concrete poetry, you know, where like if you write a poem about a muffin and it's in the shape of a muffin. So see how it's sort of... That's how I ended up with this little riff and I just was like, cool, my fingers are dancing. I'm going to see what happens. Amazing. So can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yes, you can, can Jane Avery Show them all how it's done One glimpse of stock and you still spill When you don't see how many times they're mending Yes, you can, can Jane Avery A feather boa and some fraying silk You lift your skirt and their hearts stood still you made them think this is what they're missing. Oh, what you put on. You took it off so you don't have to take it home. So you move down to the strip. Only way you could think to keep on dancing. All swaying body and bright red lips. You still find those lights enchanting. Sometimes you like it more than you know you should Mostly it's a game of grin and bear it Sweaty fat hands with dollar bills A bull band should sit where those stand lines faded Oh, would you take off And put back on before you get back What happens here stays here says that it's never the one waiting
Show them all how it's done. Yay! That's beautiful. I love Thank it. You, I loved hearing that story, and I love how it's almost like the song. It, I, and songs do this in general, like improved your life, like because it's you did a little, you learned something about geometry, you got to go for a run. My friend. Yeah, you you talk to the guys at the festival about you know it's like totally. the song improves our lives in many ways, not just to hear right. it. Would I normally go speak to people from Quebec? Exactly. You know, so much cooler than we are. Totally. So, um, uh, in closing, I want to ask you one last thing. Going back to when you were a newer songwriter, or you know, you've put out how many albums? Seven. You were writing songs for that. What if you could impart one bit of wisdom or one concrete tip um, for songwriters who are newer to songwriting, or or maybe not super new to it, but maybe sometimes feel like they're getting stuck or they're not finishing songs? What what's like the one little bit of wisdom you would like to leave them with today? I think today I'm, I'm feeling this for myself, just um, what I said before about allowing yourself to fail um, and really trying to not assign that word to it <laughs> either. Just allowing things to not be perfect. Um, and also just listen, learning to really trust your inner, your instincts. Um, you know, I think music is so much about listening always. And so listening to yourself too, that mm. if it feels good and it feels right, then it is. Yeah. And, um, actually, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got for songwriting was from my, a painting teacher. <laughs> they didn't mean it for songwriting, but I have... Uh, reappropriated it and it was that if you know what you want to say you'll figure out how to say it and what he meant at the time was if you know the story you want to translate to people it doesn't matter if it's a photograph or a line drawing or an etching or an oil painting you're going to tell that story and I think the same is true with, with songwriting that if you are and you don't always have to be clear about a message but I think if you are clear about some something you want to um, to get across it'll it'll figure its way out yeah awesome i love that thank you Anne. thank you so much that was so fun this is like my own party and way of fun. <laughs> you're, you're such a good interviewer and you know i just want to turn around and ask you the same question i'll i'll learn as i go <laughs> Learn yeah, I could interview you as one of as part of the series. Oh yeah, you can interview me. All right. Well, I'm gonna shut off the video, so we'll see you. We'll see you later. Thank you so much. And um, bye. Thanks so much for joining us. If you know someone who would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Thanks so much. Much love. <laughs>